This is Soundtrack, a podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kaya Leakty. All right, I'm here with Courtney Kuhn. We're here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You are um, you're married to my cousin. That's so correct. That's how uh, we we know each other. But what's interesting is when after uh, you got married, you brought up to my attention that we probably knew each other back in like 2003-ish. Yeah, because that's right. You were on staff at a camp that I used to go religiously. Literally. Literally religiously. religiously. Yep. Um, and so you have uh, even people that you knew and you worked with that I was going to church with. And uh, just yeah. crazy that we probably knew each other since then. And then there was this almost a 10-year gap yep. of not knowing each other. Uh, and, he, and you knew my grandparents. Went to church with your grandparents? Yeah. And aunts and uncles? All before yep. uh, marrying Wes. That's right. So it just... Uh, that was really fun first date talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It really was. Just the, that all that kind of happened and, and took place in, uh, over the last 20 years, I guess. So you, uh, you're... Raised in Yorktown, which is just south of Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. right in between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis. What was that like? Living in Yorktown? Yeah. It was like living in rural Indiana. <laughs> uh, uneventful, yet um, a lot of freedom as a kid. Stuff that I don't really see so much now, and I have kids. Um, just being able to like ride my bike all day long and be gone all day, and nobody knew where I was. It's, and I was like 10 years old. It's the best. Hanging out underneath the bridge with my yeah. best friend eating Dale donuts from the gas station, like down by the river. <laughs> and I'm like 10 years old. Yeah, just stuff like that. That was, those are good memories of childhood. Yeah. So what, um, what kind of music was your first influence as a kid? What were you, what were you listening to? Uh, my biggest music influencer in my whole life, but especially when I was a kid, was my mom. And um, the Joshua Tree album, I can remember she had the cassette. And my earliest memory of really feeling very emotionally moved by a song was listening to the opening of uh, Where the Streets Have No Name and watching the clouds go by. She would play it every morning on the way to school. And, uh, and just feeling that feeling that you can get sometimes when music sort of transports you and you just feel good and light and anyway that's that's the first time I remember feeling that and it made a big impression on me I can still picture picture the watching the clouds go by and sitting in my mom's Astro minivan <laughs> so yeah nice I uh, so we'll we'll definitely get into you too yeah uh, later on but uh so you mentioned your mom huge yeah. influence what other uh type of music were you listening to uh, well, we listened to the Bangles, Walk Like yeah. an Egyptian. There was a camping trip where nobody could be around me without hearing Walk Like an Egyptian. Um, <laughs> we listened to a lot of classic rock, like Leonard Skinner. She really liked um, John Mellencamp. I don't know if that, that's not classic rock, but John Mellencamp was one that we wore out the greatest hits. Fleetwood Mac was a huge one that we listened to a lot. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, just really just any classic rock radio station, we'd listen to all of it. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of alternative kind of influence. Oh yeah. Oh, about. she loved REM too. Like that one was a, that was another really big one besides yeah. you two. And I can remember too, because we were religious. One time she bought a Def Leppard tape and then it got eaten like right away. You have to be old to understand that like a tape could get eaten. Uh, but basically our tape deck ruined the tape like right away. And she was like, it was God. He ruined the tape because I shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> Just like a really sweet memory of the Target parking lot with my mom oh, as a kid. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. What, um, what, do you know why she was into that kind of music? More of that rock and alternative? Um, I don't know why she was particularly into it. I just think that, um, we've always shared a bond of, uh, with music that no matter what you're going through, you can listen to music that you really love and it can make you feel better. And I guess if anything, I know that she did have a hard childhood and that's probably why she sought out music to escape from some of the things that she was going through. Yeah. And I know that she and my dad went to um, a lot of concerts when they were younger. Like when she was pregnant with me, she went and saw the Rolling Stones. Oh. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah we listened to that too. We listened to the Beatles. We yeah. listened to all the stuff that everybody should listen to. Everybody should. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. absolutely will should on this conversation and say, <laughs> even if you don't like it, you need to know it. Right. So, do you remember what, uh, any other concerts that she went to, besides the uh, Rolling Stones? Oh, um, I mean, yeah, I think they went to see Molly Hatchet. They went to see like lots of. I mean, the. Yeah, I I don't remember all the ones that they went to, but I know that uh, the Rolling Stones concert she went to when she was pregnant with me, she had on jelly shoes and her feet swelled up so bad that they had to be cut off of her at the end of the day. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So. We've, we've gone through a little bit of your childhood mm -hmm. and we're starting to um, get into the more middle school teen years and <laughs> when I was listening to really good music <laughs> yeah it's usually the case right but uh you kind of go through a maybe a, it was a normal phase but emo music really yeah stepped well, out Right. Well, middle school, I was definitely all about the pop music. Like, I loved me some Spice Girls. My best friend, Sasha, was like the most sold-out Backstreet Boys fan that you'll ever meet. I still know facts about Nick Carter that no grown-up woman should know. <laughs> like, his favorite color is green, and like, they, I'm pretty sure he's an Aquarius. Like, just that kind of stuff. Like, why do I know that? But, um, but yeah, no, when I got into high school, definitely Dashboard Confessional. Like, I still like it. There's a lot of other music that I liked then that I listen to now, and I'm like, what were you thinking? This is crap. They're just crying into a microphone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it was just my generation. Like, I graduated in 2004. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the emo music just really resonated with a lot of the people that I was friends with and a lot of the things that we were going through. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, I, I love Dashboard too, and I, uh, luckily I have seen them live, and it was it was fantastic to to see that, uh, even though it was kind of past their 
uh, maybe their prime. Oh, Wes went and saw them live with one of his guy friends, and he said they elbowed like teenage girls out of the way and sang every song from the front row. <laughs> Isn't that great? That is great. Yeah. Um, but I, I think when people think of emo, mm-hmm. it, there's such a... Oh, it's not cool anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> but there, I feel like there's not really a good description that's ever that I've heard from people that aren't familiar with it I mean to understand it because it's it's even within it it's 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 got its variances for sure like I didn't like the real the screamo I didn't like that but like so Taking Back Sunday was another band that I really liked from that era and I guess the best way I could describe it is if I were gonna say like what I think of when I think of emo the stuff that I liked a lot, most music is emotional. Yeah. That's what emo stands for, is emotional. But they just weren't churching it up at all. They just went ahead and really were very, like, complainy and whiny and just really, uh, like, it's kind of a hard-on-your-sleeve type of music. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it just, of course it resonates with teenagers. Like, teenagers yeah. are just tangled up balls of emotions. I have a teenager now, so, Yeah. It's it's a fact. Definitely a lot of emotion for sure, and and I think when you you're you're a teenager, mm-hmm. it just it's just something that connects so well uh, for that listener for some reason. Um, but yeah, what uh, what other emo music were you into? Um, oh gosh, well, really, just there was that was also a time in my life when I was. Um, on and off trying to listen to Christian music. And the truth is, there's not a lot of really good Christian music out there that's like rock music or really mainstream type music that is also Christian music. But there was pretty good punk music that was Christian and there's pretty good emo music at that time that was Christian or at least Christian friendly. And so, yeah, I mean, I haven't listened to any of that for such a long time, but... uh, but yeah, I, like I went to my first music festival and it was a Christian music festival and I was really just exposed to types of music that I hadn't listened to before that I, that I had had way more of an influence on me as I became an adult. But it was more, like I said, like more alternative music, more punk rock music. Um, and just being in that environment where you could even be in a place like a music festival and be exposed to just like different stages of music playing constantly, that was really impactful to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh just crazy how that can yeah open up to other things that you were mm-hmm. potentially listening to so um you mentioned a little bit of pop music and so it's not it's more than just spice girls and yeah boys right oh yeah well i mean like middle school you know that's the the late 90s was the era of like girl and boy bands and we mtv still played music videos and you li- we literally sat on our couches and watched trl Total Request Live with Carson Daly. <laughs> and you'd watch like the all that pop music go and like uh, Britney Spears, that kind of stuff, like which I do still love Britney Spears. Um, but no, I mean like the ones that have really stood the test of time that I still really love. And then I listened to a lot of hip hop music at that point too, but uh, but yeah, like Missy Elliott, still an amazing artist and has like influenced lots of other really good stuff. Madonna, like nobody can argue with like I mean, she's somebody that at this point I can definitely say has had an influence on every era of my life. She's been making good music. She even just came out with an album yeah. that is good. 
Um, but yeah, like Madonna is one that I still like revisit frequently and just am in awe of somebody being able to <laughs> continue to reinvent themselves and make good music over just a whole lifespan like she's practically my she's almost my mom's age yeah and it's like when i think of my mom and i think of madonna i'm just like that's just amazing that somebody could just keep going back and working their butt off and making really good music so yeah is it her work ethic or the uh the ability to reinvent alone i mean or is I it is it other things that make madonna so appealing um i mean she definitely is willing like with the with the whole process i mean if you watch anything about madonna anybody that works with her will say like she has an impeccable work ethic that you just can't even hardly keep up with her and i'm i'm sure that that's a big part of success in any field yeah but the fact that she's always able to like go back dig deeper and find new things to talk about new things to say and it resonates like that's that's really special to me there are songs that I can remember being a kid and just thinking like, how did she even know? Like the song, like a prayer or open your heart. Um, just, I mean, you, you can, even if you just listen to her greatest hits albums, there are like multiple ones and you can listen to every single song and they're just all good. And then she has just really fun music too, Yeah, which you need that in life. Yeah. I feel like she's got kind of like the eighties greatest hits and then uh, more of that like late nineties. Yeah, and then into that, the 2000s. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just crazy how, like you said, she was able to reinvent herself mm -hmm. multiple times. You mentioned uh, Christian music as well. Um, what, what made you, I guess you mentioned that you're kind of on and off with that. What, what, do you, what did you mean by that? Well, I think that listening to like worship music or music that I've heard in church, that's always been a part of my life. And I enjoy a lot of that music, uh, but it's probably just a supply and demand thing. Like the, when there's, when there are lots of people competing to be the best at something, then you get a good product. That's where we have like pop music. There's just like a lot of, there's a lot of crap, but then there's, good stuff that comes out that rises to the top uh and with christian music like sadly i've just never felt like there was a, that there was a lot of good music to choose from oh evanescence was one that came out when i was in high school you don't talk about emo christian rock and then like i remember the christian bookstore in my town got one of their albums and their their main album that anybody ever cared about um it's super not cool to like evanescence but i still like those songs uh, it was it was huge. It was when huge I was when it in happened. Middle but, school. but they but actually was... they they came out in an interview and they said like we're not a fucking Christian band. Like they said that and it was like, you know, the, the I remember the Christian bookstore was like we can't carry this anymore. They said the <laughs> f word. But yeah, uh, and I I just thought that was just and it, my friend's parents owned the Christian bookstore, so we like talked about it and stuff. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was like a lot of what I experienced, and I've never been somebody that was super tied into like only listening to Christian music now, but I mean, even recently there's been some, there, there's been one artist that's like broken through and is being played on pop radio and she's making really good music. Uh, Lauren Daigle. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. and some of her songs are just, yeah. And I, I, I love seeing that, that like somebody can actually like get to that point where they're, they're singing Christian music, but it's also something that everybody can relate to and just appreciate 
but we it, you just don't see that a lot yeah and so yeah no offense to people that make christian music but a lot of it's not awesome well <laughs> or it's just like the same sound over and over again yeah it i mean that that argument i feel like it's not really an argument it's a fact um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it you could say any type of genre has that problem too mm-hmm. you know but it, it there's something about christian music that just kind of makes it even more so yeah i mean i i i, I was I had a friend that played guitar and he said that almost every worship song can be played like on the same chords and you can play zombie to like almost any christian song because it's like the g chord or something i don't know anything about guitar but zombie. it was really funny he, he would like start playing a christian song and then just switch into zombie and it was hilarious because i never i'm not the kind of person that knows enough about music to have noticed that but yeah but that was funny um but yeah, I mean, I think that that's like what you just said, that like any genre can have that happen. And that's why we see certain genres kind of die out because we get tired of it. Like emo's kind of done. New metal was a thing, you yeah. know, and it's kind of done. Oh, Linkin Park. There's another one I listened to a lot in middle school. We'll talk about and it. And high school. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like, that's one that like they, it, when you see bands like that, that keep trying to put out new music, uh, but it still sounds the same. It's like that era. And you realize like, that's so crazy because it, that, that music was so impactful and good and I loved it, but like somehow that sound just didn't survive Yeah. Um, the, the test of time. Now I still love their music that they made back then and there's a time and a place for it, but. Right. What, what was so appealing about Linkin Park? I mean, it was the same thing that was going on with, um, with emo music. Like, I don't know, they were able to somehow tap into the emotions that, the majority of teenagers were feeling at that time and yeah. and I just that honesty of like the struggle the emotional struggle that um obviously like the the lead singer struggled with depression and I think a lot of people can relate to that that sometimes times are really hard and to hear somebody sing about that that experience it's it's uh cathartic mm-hmm. to see your your emotions and and what your struggles uh represented in a song do you feel like uh, Chester's voice also played a part with that? Just how? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, they were, I mean, the, even just the whole, that was a very like early, late 90s, early 2000s thing what, that they had going on where he had this amazing voice and then you have someone like sort of rapping yeah. also. Now, apparently what we get is country and rapping, but, but you know, and it's funny because it's like, it doesn't make sense to me, but it does because I'm like, no, 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 we had our weird thing that I'm sure people hated. Like, you can't mix rock and rap together. And we're like, we're doing it. We're going to do it. Yeah. And we're going to love it. I liked POD a lot, too. And I actually saw them at a music festival. Oh, yeah? And that was really special for me because at the time, yeah, their music was really important to me. But, yeah, the new metal has really... Well, and I think with both of those bands and that that genre, Mm -hmm. I wonder if things like Columbine and 9-11 at a a (laughs) national level... Yeah. But then, but it like resonated even at a personal level too. So there was this like inter mingling of, of those issues. Yeah. I mean, we were, a gen- that was like a really defining thing for the millennial generation. I just saw a meme last week that was so, I mean, I think it's funny, but it said, people want to know what's wrong with millennials. Well, we all watched 2000 people die on live TV when we were 10 and th- things just literally never got any better. And I just thought that's, that's true. I wasn't 10. I was, uh, I think I was 
I was a sophomore. I had just started my sophomore year of high school. And yeah, we watched the towers fall on television while we were at school. It was really intense. And then there was a war that like has never ended since then. Yeah. And, and what, like that's, so yeah, there, there was a lot of that. Like that was the Columbine happened when I was in seventh grade. I watched that play out on TV because I was home after having back surgery and uh, yeah, POD, they wrote songs about that. And so there was, yeah, there was a, there was a heightened level of angst with the generation beyond just the normal teen angst. There was like, there's war happening there are school shootings happening and that's gotten to the point now where it's, it's escalated, but it's normalized now. Yeah. And we're all just living in this constant state of, I don't know, acceptance, just not thinking about it as much, but then it was very new. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember I didn't even know it had happened until the day after mm -hmm. when it was Cause how brought up. I was a fourth grader. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I paid attention to the news, but mm -hmm. for some reason that, that night I didn't, it just, I guess I wasn't watching, but it was well, maybe brought it... up by the principal on the PA the next morning because mm -hmm. we had like a moment of silence, which then as a fourth grade, I didn't even know what that was, <laughs> but it was, yeah, yeah. it was just so bizarre. And now, like, like you said, it's, I mean, it's so normalized or I think I heard there's been over 200 mass shootings this year alone yeah i mean the um there are other countries that are issuing travel warnings for to people traveling from their country yeah, to the united states that. now uruguay was one of them yeah no i think amnesty international is doing it now or something like that like some other like larger organization is issuing like all-out travel warnings to come here but we're just like oh it's just another day in the midwest what uh what hip-hop and rap during your teen years were you delving into? Oh, well, I mean, I can remember uh, when Tupac and Biggie were still alive. I listened to them a lot because then you went, we went through, I think they passed away when I was in middle school and, um, and then they were, they had tons of like albums that came out after they died. Right. And there was uh, the chronic 2001. That was a really important album when I was in high school, Eminem, came up when I was right. in that. And so everybody listened to that. I was never, and, and I lived in Michigan for middle school and high school. So Eminem's from Detroit. It was very big where I lived. Um, so you, you'd moved to Coldwater. Yeah. Sorry. Michigan. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what year was it or grade? 97. So yeah. I lived in Yorktown till I was in sixth grade and then we moved to Michigan and I lived there until I graduated high school. So yeah, I, I listened to a lot. Of, I listened to DMX and Rough Riders. Like I listened to a lot of really inappropriate music for my age. I was listening to that in like middle school. I have a 14 year old now. So I've to ask my mom, like, I know I had this album in middle school. What were you thinking? Like, why was I allowed to have that? And she was just like, I don't know. I just didn't want to. I was afraid if I made rules, you'd rebel. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I feel like you could have said no to the DMX Rough Riders album. The... Rough Riders Anthem. I mean, it's incredibly inappropriate for a middle school girl or boy. <laughs> um, what, what was appealing to, to hip hop as a uh, kind well, of a rural girl? I think it's, everybody was listening to hip hop music. Like the, it, and it's something that I've seen a lot of that um, it's sort of like a co-opting of a different culture so that you can feel cool. Um, I definitely am not, like proud of that especially like the 
um, some of the songs that I would sing to try to be cool and the things that I repeated to try to be cool that were incredibly inappropriate. Um, and now I feel like I've learned better just that some of those songs and themes, like they weren't for me, but I just wanted to be cool. And yeah. so I was like sort of wearing that whole thing as a costume at, at, at a certain point in my early teen years. Uh, I had a boyfriend that was like really into hip hop music and I just took that on. Um, but yeah, and I, but, and some of it I do still like, but a lot of it, it's, it's really degrading to women, some of it. And I just, I, I can't support that anymore. So yeah. it just means that like, even though some of the music, I really loved it when it came out, even like the chronic album, like I, I know every word to every song and I can't, I've like tried to listen to it again. And it's just so incredibly degrading to women that it's like, I just can't. Mm -hmm. But like Outcast, I still love Outcast. Like yeah. the Equimini album is one of my all-time favorite albums, and it's just really good storytelling, and I think gave me it, insight into a culture that I wasn't experiencing. It was a different type of like music mm -hmm. too than uh, what was going on within hip hop at that time. Yeah. For that album. Yeah, I'm feel really thankful that I even like came across it because they had a lot of hits around the time that I was in high school, but digging into their, their deeper tracks was yeah. it was just, it's just, it stood the test of time. I still listen to that. Right. So you, um, after high school, uh, 80s alternative really goes even further than just you two and REM. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, we're talking about deeper cuts like the cure joy division. New Wave. Oh, the, uh, the original emo. <laughs> new, new, yeah, exactly. Uh, new Order. Yeah. Um, probably even others. What, uh, how did that happen? Well, you know, you just, uh, well, I, I just met people who introduced me to different music that I hadn't listened to before. I would credit, absolutely credit my friend Ben Doan with introducing me to The Cure because they're his favorite band. And anytime I meet somebody and they're really passionate about something, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Because if you're like completely like, this is your all time favorite, you, you love it so much. I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I did. So The Cure is, you know, I mean, it just is amazing. And Robert Smith has done a lot of other really good side projects too. And he's collaborated with other artists that I really like. Um, and just even, but yeah, there is a part of me too that was like, why did no one play this for me? I was around when this was happening to some degree. Like, uh, and it's funny, yeah, because I, when I listened to The Cure for the first time, they, they also have some like pop hits. Yeah. And I knew those songs. But just some, the, some of the other tracks, like the whole Disintegration album it's is just one of my all time favorite albums. That's my favorite album too. Yeah. Probably theirs. Yeah, and then just the song Disintegration, it's meant a lot to me and my husband because um, we both came from divorced families and just the the exploration of that, the breakdown of the family unit and the song Disintegration, it just really resonates with us and like what we, uh, you know, marriage is, is a, always a hard thing and um, to have that to hold on to, like it's funny, I don't think a lot of people would pick a song like that for like, oh yeah, that song really represents my marriage, like... <laughs> <laughs> but it really represents to us like the core of why we're going to always keep trying because we don't want to have things disintegrate and fall apart. But just, yeah, that again, that like deep exploration of those themes that a lot of people would have just, I don't know, written a different kind of song. Yeah. Something more uh, palatable. Fun, yeah. With a happy ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just the break, the, even just that sound of like the breaking glass, like that is so 
powerful uh, of a, I mean, that's actually, there's a play that's like a hundred year hundred years old and it ends with someone slamming a door and glass breaking and it, and it represents the, the breakdown of family. So, um, interesting. Henrik Ibsen, a doll's house. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the cure. Amazing. So much good stuff there. Go on and on. Oh yeah. I think it's interesting that you brought up a good point about the, how they had pop hits, like just like heaven. Friday, I'm in love. Yeah. You hear it on Fridays. They play it on the radio. Yeah. Um, more so, n- not a pop hit at the time, but close to me is now yeah. more uh, known. Mm-hmm. And yet then you have other songs uh, like Fascination Street and uh, like you mentioned... Um, disintegration just so much more darker plain song they, they don't oh, even say yeah. anything until halfway through the song somebody tried to sing it for karaoke recently which i like to take this opportunity to say that i'm a huge fan of karaoke <laughs> i'm part of a karaoke club here in fort wayne where i now live oh wait, you're in a club a karaoke club i'm the uh secretary of state like- no what am i no i'm the chief of staff i'm the chief of staff that's what it is i was uh it's an honorary title but yeah, I'm in a karaoke club. So, but somebody's saying plain song for karaoke and I'm like, ooh, bad choice, bad choice. And uh, the poor guy's just standing up there forever and I'm like, there's not gonna be any words until halfway through the song, dude. You've got like two minutes of standing there. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to break it to you. But yeah. Yeah, it, or even like a letter to Elise. Um, yeah. It just- A part, I, yeah, like the song, uh, the whole porno- pornography album, like the fact that they named an album pornography, like, yeah. Uh, the song Apart, it's all about um, when you're just waiting for somebody to call and they're not going to call and when things just break down and it just, it just is, that song is a complete exploration of that experience of what we now call being ghosted yeah. and he wrote it in like the you know, late 80s, 80s yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we should recirculate that song and be like hashtag ghosting <laughs> hashtag I was ghosted, hashtag I got played <laughs> What about the uh, other alternative besides The Cure? Um, So Bjork, I discovered when I was probably like 22, and I just can't even begin to tell you how like every single song, like you could, I could just read it, just reading the lyrics alone. um, It just goes so deep, like her albums, uh, Post and Human Behavior and um, Homogenic, like, uh, Bjork is a Scorpio, but she's not just a Scorpio. She's a Scorpio, uh, like to the nth degree, and I'm a Scorpio, and that means a lot to me. Um, it, and it was something that, like, I was just reading about that for the first time when I discovered all her music. And so, just on every level, I just felt very understood by her and her journey. I honestly haven't listened to like the the most recent Never album that, that she's yeah. come out with, but. And I feel like that's normal sometimes. Like, you love someone's, a certain era of someone's work. And I, I feel totally fine with that. But, but yeah, like, the, the songs like Bachelorette or um, Hyper Ballad, they're just so... I mean, uh, Bachelorette, the opening line is, I'm a fountain of blood in the shape of a girl. Like, she just really goes for it. She's, she's so weird. And, and But, yeah, again, she's somebody that's, like, for most people is a footnote of, Oh, she wore that really ugly swan dress that one time. It yeah. still makes these like worst dress lists. And I don't know if I knew any of her songs before, except for maybe like 
a song that was in a movie. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about Bjork and her songs that are just incredibly meaningful to me. What? Like, what's the... So I'm not, I'm not so much familiar with her work. I've, I've heard some stuff. But uh, what is it about... Maybe it's whether it's music or lyrics that you connect with. Um, um, you know, you mentioned you're both Scorpios. <laughs> yeah. So, so Scorpio is like passion and intense. And just like her music is, it, it's passion and intense. And she's just very much like, this is who I am. And, you know, you, you get the sense of being taken a little bit on a journey. And she's somebody that is always pushing the boundaries. Like, I love, uh, like, she'll put out a whole album of remixes of her music but one of my favorite remixes is, so Hyper Ballad's one of my favorite songs, and she did a remix with a full orchestra where instead of like synthesizers yeah, and yeah, electronic. electronic feel, um, it's just a full symphony, and it's amazing. It's just incredible, um, the, the sort of like crescendo that the song comes to and how powerful it is, and it's just like, yeah, like that's Bjork. Like I'm going to take this song and just turn it into something completely different but it's still the same yeah core um she has like some songs that have an element of almost sounding like music theater like it's so so quiet um so it's like theatrical she's like acting out a scene in the song a, a, a couple other songs it's literally just one short paragraph and she repeats it a couple times and just the way she sings it is what gives it all the emotional depth that it needs hmm. she's an incredibly dynamic yeah uh, artist. So we've kind of gone into 80s and even 90s alternative, and then yeah. there's even the double zeros alternative of the killers and the yah yah yahs. And yeah. what yeah. a. Yeah, uh, Karen O, um, the yah yah yahs, that was another one that I discovered around the same time that I found Bjork. Um, and I was going through a lot of hard stuff at that time, and I feel like even just the, her albums. Um, Gosh, what now, of course, um, Fever to Tell. So Fever to Tell is the first album. It's really gritty, really, like, hard-hitting, and really, like, dark. Like, the song Man, it's like, I got a man that makes me want to kill. I got a man that makes me want to die. Like, that's really hard-hitting and dark. Um, and the it has all kinds of... It, there are lots of, like, dark sexual overtones in the whole album. But then you get to the towards the end, and you get a song like Maps. Like, yeah. they don't love you like I love you. Like, that song will always be just an amazing song. But seeing, like, like so for me, it was like that. Her willingness to be incredibly vulnerable and even tender on, on an album that everything else is other is a totally other feel. And then Why Control, that comes right on the heels of Maps. It sort of, like, takes the, the energy right back up to... Um, that that feeling of independence and self-exploration doing what you want with your life mm -hmm. um and the line i wish i could buy back the woman you stole so good and it so fit where i was at at that point and so that was a band that like a lot of the other music i've described that is really important to me i kind of discovered it after it had been around for a long time but this was something that like i felt like i got to go on the journey with the yeah yeah yeahs with karen O. that i was you know, as the next two albums came out, um, I was able to like see her growth and feel like I was growing at the same rate and continued, those albums continued to really resonate with me. So that was really special. Do you feel like 
if you were at that time to write lyrics, it'd be similar to what she was writing. Yeah, but I could never. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she was somebody that I just, um, yeah. The the next album wasn't so gritty, wasn't so dark. Um, Show your bones, um, but it was still like telling a story of somebody that was somewhat jaded, someone trying to like find peace, find love, find happiness, but was still on a journey to that. And then you get to It's Blitz and it's just so much lighter. It's like, if you go from, if you jump just from Fever to Tell to It's Blitz, it's just so incredibly light. Like just the sound is light mm -hmm. and it's more fun. And I just, again, felt that sort of journey of like, it's almost like watching a character arc. Yeah. But she's a real person. So. Right. Um, but maybe, maybe her stage persona is a character and that's the character arc we got to watch. Who knows? Because I don't really know her. Yeah. That's cool. What, uh, what about the killers? Uh, the killers, I just, that, yeah, they're, they're somebody that it's more, um, you know, I, you like music and then over time you start to realize like the stuff that sticks with you and the stuff that sort of falls by the wayside and some of their music has just really stuck with me. Um, just certain songs and even Brandon Flowers individual stuff is yeah oh yeah really good um so yeah the killers um when you were young and Mr. Brightside are like my go-to karaoke songs some of them me too I have a really long list but <laughs> uh but yeah one of my friends once when I couldn't pick a song he's like you just have to sing something that you just really feel in your heart and I just always I'm like okay I can sing it like especially when you were young that feeling that like everybody has some place that they can idealize and think about going back to. And that's yeah. just such a, like, how did, how did he know? Right. How did he know to capture that? I think, cause I've, so I've done those songs too for mm -hmm. karaoke and I, it's just something like, like you said, passion, you can just have that ability to, mm -hmm. um, have that same kind of passion that he does in the recording, even though it's just a karaoke. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just, it's interesting how, uh, that can take place, take mm -hmm. shape. It's yeah. Cause I mean, I'm not singing karaoke cause I'm a great singer. So yeah. I, I got to have something else to bring to the table. And so that's, that was good advice for my friend. Like you have to sing something that you really feel in your heart. Right. Okay. I feel that. And I guess, you know what I uh, was told recently, Mr. Brightside has like never been off the top 100 charts in, in England. Yeah, ever. It, England it's, loves that song. Apparently, they just really love that song. And hey, I can't blame them. I do too. Yeah, we we get more into we've we've already kind of gotten into quite a bit of adulthood, and you have we'll get to you two in a second. But uh, Kendrick Lamar, yeah, takes a takes a big spot, probably more so currently, right? Yeah, and that's something where, like, I sort of described before that, like, I listen to a lot of hip-hop coming up, and I know a lot of the classic stuff that most people from my generation know, um, but, I, and I, I be honest, I always have little kids in the car, so, like, that is also a barrier to listening to some hip-hop. If it has any language in it, like, it's just hard to even listen to new music like that, but uh, when the Damn album came out, it just had such rave reviews that I listened to some of it and I knew some of the main songs that were popular, but then it won the Pulitzer prize. Yeah. And to me, that was, again, it was like how I described, like if somebody's really passionate about something, I don't know about it. I'm like a hip hop album won the Pulitzer prize. I need to really listen to this. And Oh my goodness. Like just that whole album, like 
again, it's like storytelling. There are themes that come and go, like that are woven throughout. I mean, it's a masterpiece. Like it just really is a masterpiece. And um, the things, like the the emotions that he was able to convey, like the song "Fear" is probably one of my all time favorite hip hop songs ever. Okay. Probably one of my favorite songs ever. Like he goes like verse by verse exploring like the times, different eras in his life and how fear played a part in there. And I love that, like the deconstruction that like in hip hop so often people are talking about how tough they are and how not afraid they are and how everybody better be afraid of them. And yeah. instead he flips it on his head and he right. says, I, this is what I was afraid of as a kid. This is what I was afraid of as a teenager. And this is what I'm afraid of now. And I am very afraid. <laughs> And I just loved that because there's so much strength in that to just call it what it is. And, um, and hopefully that empowers other people to face their fears. Um, I mean, but yeah, th those are the ones that I just kept revisiting. Um, or uh, what's one of the song Lust? And it, I, I love how he interweaves those Christian themes that I was talking about, like that. Uh, as an artist that can approach spirituality and Christianity and talk about it and sort of deconstruct his experience of it or share his observance of it, even if he's not practicing it, I really appreciate that. Um, and just as a culture, how we play that out, um, his ability to talk about that in, a, in an incredibly real way. Um, I really like that. So you mentioned that you know, U2 was such a huge influence as a kid, but it's, it has yeah. been the case ever since. Yeah. I even, mean, it's even recently. It's absolutely like, like I said, like the, th some things stand the test of time, some things fall away. Um, and that's definitely, I mean, like I said, like some of my earliest memories were listening to their music. Um, and their music has stuck with me through the years and at, at different times it's different albums, different songs. And I'm not even somebody that could tell you every song that they've ever done or like remember everything from all their albums, but just, um, I can remember certain times that I was, that where I was in a certain place and their music was there with me and special moments, really sad moments. Uh, but also my mom and I went to see them in when was Chicago, the, right? Yeah. Well, we've uh, been twice. So, um, it was 2017. Was the Joshua Tree one? Yeah, but what was the one for that? The 360. Yeah, uh, were you you were in East Lansing, right? Or no. was it Chicago? No, we went to Chicago again. So that would have been 09. Yeah. So in 09, that was my mom and I went together because we had always been such fans for so long, and we actually went. We're on the floor, and um, we're pretty close to the stage, and that was just really special to to do that together with my mom, uh, because we've always been fans and it's something that we've always really shared. And I think that that's special. Um, I look forward to being able to do that with my own kids, but especially seeing you two. And that was like, you know, she's loved you two since she was, you know, young and yeah. since they started out and, um, and it was just a great show. And then, yeah, in 2017, we went again and saw the Joshua tree, which was amazing since, like I said, that specific album is one that was just incredibly impactful for my whole life. And, I do know every song on that album, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, even in recent years, um, like as much as I love the first three on that album and they're just so good and everyone knows those songs, um, running to stand still that has meant a lot to me and just in my twenties and, and into my thirties now, um, 
just that feeling of like trying to keep up with the fast pace of life and yeah. um and just yeah the the that whole album it's just one of those you can put it on you can play it and it doesn't ever get old for me hmm. yeah what was it like to to hear the album from beginning to end on from the stage it was really special with your mom yeah i mean it was um it was really special and we really we had a great time um the first time i actually ever saw a, a band do that was the cure did disintegration the whole what? album start to finish do you not know about this I think that they actually did three of their albums, three nights, start to finish, and they said they did it because David Bowie did it with one of his albums. So this is actually a thing that other people have done. And I, my friend Ben, who loves The Cure, he um, he was the one that told me to watch it. And that's, it, I mean, it is just really incredible. And that's why I was like, well, I have to see you two do this because that's just a really special thing to see a band like just perform some of their most beloved songs and just like really put their heart and soul into it yeah. one more time. It's not like they haven't sung these songs for 30 years now. I mean, 30 years. Could you oh, imagine an album that people were still dying to like fill a stadium to hear 30 years later? Yeah. And they were still really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, why we don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you mentioned as a mother, uh, you've got kids, you've got three of them. Mm -hmm. uh, as a mother, how has music impacted you as well as your kids? Well, we always listen to music when we're in the car. And we're in the car a lot because when you're a mom, you're just always taking somebody somewhere. Right. And I know that, like, the, there's always a question of what's appropriate to play around the kids. And I'll be honest, like, I draw that line at way different place than what a lot of moms I know would because I just think we all live in the world and a lot of the adult content and say like rock music or even um, classic rock like a lot of the adult content goes over their heads like my four-year-old daughter loves the song cherry bomb she just thinks it's funny that they say hello daddy hello mom I'm your cherry bomb like she if there's any more to it she doesn't know and doesn't care and it was also in a Marvel movie so that's why she found it but okay um, but yeah, I mean, we listened, we listened to lots of stuff, but then even my 14 year old, like I, I view music sometimes as just a really good opportunity to talk about things that they're talking about in songs. Um, uh, there, there's the, oh gosh, I can't think of his name, but there's the, um, 1-800-LOGIC, the hip hop song about suicide. And like the song title is even like the suicide hotline song. Like I remember showing Tristan that video um, Tristan's my 14 year old son. I showed him that video and we had a conversation, not our first conversation, but one of our conversations about that sometimes things are really hard and sometimes it's, you're going to want to give up, but you can't, just don't do it. Just don't give up and don't ever commit suicide because we've, my husband and I have lost friends to suicide and, um, it's horrible. And as a mom, like that's a real thing that, you know, if, if I didn't have that conversation, I would really regret it. And thankfully, there are people that are talking about it in music. And it gives me one more in to talk about it instead of just having an awkward conversation. We can watch a music video. We can listen to the lyrics. And we can talk about what it means to, to feel that way and what you do if you, do, if you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, music is... 
a really great opportunity to explore other feelings too. Like my oldest son is starting to like girls and have those kinds of feelings. And we can talk about like, you know, we can, we can talk about all kinds of stuff, like, like how to navigate dating, how to navigate, uh, the pressures of physical intimacy for teenagers in high school. Like he's starting high school and, and, you know, all these stuff come up in songs. And I, so it's like, I, I definitely, um, enjoy seeing what he likes, but also being able to ask him why he likes it. And if he's, if it has any um, meaning beyond just that he likes the way that the music is. Um, he's really into grunge music right now. Oh. Um, he plays guitar and he's just grunge music and he really loves the Foo Fighters. And nice. I mean, I love the Foo Fighters, but, uh, but yeah, he definitely, he also got into like Green Day and Linkin Park. And I'm like, these are, I just can't listen to any more Green Day right now, honey. I'm sorry. I had to hear it for like the last 20 years. Like, can you just cut me some slack and make me not have to listen to Green Day right now? Um, and I think that just, again, it's like the whole resonating with being a teenage boy and, you know. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it could be worse. True. He doesn't like the country rap, so that's good. Uh, something else. Mm -hmm. But, um. Oh, sorry. Hunter likes hip hop. Because he likes to dance. Your other son. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he does like to dance. Uh, why Why is music so important? Why, why do we need to listen to it? Or why should we? For me, I, I, I need music because it sometimes it even just helps me work out how I'm feeling. You know, do you ever just flip through your playlist and you're like, no, not that, no, not that. You change the radio station, change the radio station, you're like, not that. And then you find it, you find the one song yeah. that you're like able to just, you feel that tension release, your shoulders drop, you breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, this is how I feel. You smile. You smile or, or cry. Yeah. <laughs> or just feel that like, I don't really feel anything. Like uh, Radiohead, how to disappear completely. That's my like, I am so beyond anything right now I just need to feel like I'm not here this isn't <laughs> happening that's literally the lyric yeah um so yeah I mean it's but it's like that um that moment where you find the the, the feeling or the sound that resonates with how you're feeling and then you can have that moment of catharsis or release like you have that moment of peace from trying to name how you feel trying to explain it to someone else. I mean, haven't you ever tried to tell someone else how you feel and you find a song and you send it to them or you yeah. play it in the car with them or you, you listen to it on vinyl and it just is a moment and you share it. So that's, that's why I like music. That's why it's important to me. Awesome. Well, thanks for having this uh, conversation. This was great. There you go. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. It's yeah. been really fun. Awesome. Well, peace out. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kaya Leakty. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.